right now on Matter of Fact. This virus is totally nothing like anything we've experienced. COVID-19, threatening people living on the edge. Trying to maintain my family and get into housing and dealing with the COVID-19, I'm really stressed out. How do you shelter in place if you don't have a home? I'm Soledad O'Brien, welcome to Matter of Fact. A few months ago, we set out to do a documentary about how public health handles one of America's biggest public health crises, homelessness. We chose the booming Seattle area, and while we were taping, another public health crisis hit us all, a deadly new virus called COVID-19. Embedded with the King County Seattle Public Health Director, we kept our cameras rolling as officials began to grapple with the enormity of the threat and the challenge of protecting the most vulnerable. We've got thick blankets, we got a sleeping bag. I think it was, what, uh, yeah, 36 out, and I mean, I was fairly warm back there. Were you warm, kiddo? Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. Merry Christmas. Since I've been out of work, this has all been really hard. Trying to put gas in the car, trying to feed my daughter. People feel that homeless people are junkies and alcoholics, and I'm none of those. There's a lot of us out there that are just trying to get stable and on our feet so that we can live a normal life. Seattle has a housing and homelessness crisis, and a lot of it really is tied up in the success we've had here. With the run-up and rents, folks have been squeezed out of housing and ended up on the streets. I love you. I feel like I'm failing my daughter. I feel like I'm failing as a mother that I'm not a good mom because we've lost everything. I'm a medical student, single mom, two boys, and I am the daughter of Alan Kempf, who is a resident at Life Care Center of Kirkland. This is Pop Pop before his stroke. You know, I'm my father's guardian. He can't really talk for himself well. I just wasn't able to manage his care by myself while I finished up school. So he went to Life Care Center and became a resident there. Last fall, I went down to meet with our Medicaid state agency, the Healthcare Authority. I said, if we had a large outbreak, particularly with the homeless or nursing homes, I would not be ready to respond. If we would have been paying attention to public health over the last 20 years, we would have been in a lot better space to respond to this. Seattle is the home of tech giants like Amazon and Microsoft. It's also the site of the first coronavirus deaths here in the United States. Health officials are especially concerned about a cluster of infections in Kirkland. This outbreak may be one of the most transformative and consequential events that we've had in this region and in this country.
by mid-May, we could be looking at over 60,000 people infected if we do not act. Yes, we are going to have a minimum of $100 million available to protect our vulnerable people in our long-term care facilities and unsheltered people. This virus is totally nothing like anything we've experienced in public health since I took over as director six years ago. Public health is the silent force working for the health of the community. The public health efforts during this pandemic started with containment. So we wanted people to physical distance, but also very vulnerable people to stay at home. Public health cares about everybody, of course, but particularly those communities that need our help and support through this. People who are homeless can't shelter in their own home. They can't isolate, they have nowhere to go. We are all in this together and we need to figure out how to help everyone, including those who are least able to help themselves. I'm not really too worried about COVID-19. It's just more of the effects that it has on us getting housing. Living in the car is definitely stressful. We put my stuff in the very back. <laughs> we just kind of have a little setup in here and we just basically every night pick out clothes for Alexa, get her changed and it works. We got hooked up with Cars to Housing. It's a program where they give you a safe place to park your car every night. It takes a little bit of stress off of you, minus the homeless stress. <laughs> How you guys doing? Good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> virus, huh? So employment right now? Oh, I'm still, okay. I'm in training. Right, but you are, are you, have you actually worked some hours at all? Mm -hmm. Okay. I've been working at LifeSpies, which is a lice removal service, about a month. I absolutely love that job, but it's not a lot of hours. So right now, our projected income would be $826.50, okay? If you even consider in trying to get an apartment, we're talking about you know anywhere from $1,500 to $1,700. My tire decided to go completely down to the river on me. It was $135 for them to come out. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have $135. I have like $30. Taking care of my housing, those are my major stressors. You know, coronavirus, until it directly affects me, I really want to stop hearing about it. The Life Care Center in Kirkland remains at the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak. So far, 22 people associated with the facility have died. When I heard that this outbreak was in the facility, my first thought was, oh, Hey, Pops. My dad's quarantined in there, but he hasn't tested positive. I was asking, can we take him out before he becomes positive? You have basically like a wildfire happening, and when the building's on fire, what do you do? You get out. Uh.
the email last night. Her school has now closed until the end of next month. I have to figure out something to do during the day and, you know, make sure she's taken care of. It's not easy. Oh. Do you have to answer these questions? Or is it just, well, let's look. There was a huge discussion around closure of schools. Because of the science that was developing and the unknowns around this virus, but also public health is deeply concerned about the impact it has for families to stay at home. I mean, if all I had to do was stay home and homeschool, it'd be great. But most of my days are really filled with phone calls of, in trying to get my dad what he needs. Is it possible for us to set up another call with him um, this afternoon? They weren't testing everybody at first because they didn't have enough tests. They called me back the next day and told me that he had tested positive. To be in the middle of a pandemic where the virus is so vicious to the elderly disabled and to have so many deaths here in Seattle. We are setting up what we're calling a recovery center two large tents, one that will be where people will come as they're being tested and they're ill, and then the other tent where folks who have COVID can stay. We have a timeline that we don't control. The virus is coming whether we like it or not. So we are going to do everything we have to do to be ready for that. Usually a village like this would take us like maybe three, four months, but because of COVID-19, we were asked by the city of Seattle to set this up like in a week. My overall fear is we're not doing enough. Public health and the mayor are very much concerned about what's gonna happen if homeless people catch the virus. But before the virus, we still had the same crisis. Congregate settings are a challenge. And whether it's a homeless shelter or a nursing home, that is a place where once an infection gets started, it can spread very rapidly and with tragic results as we saw at the nursing home in Kirkland. There should have been systems in place at Life Care that they could have prevented this from happening. And to have it happen where 80% of all of the patients here get it, something's broken in the system. I have stood at the window asking for the specialist on the phone. This virus is bad? Yes. Did all those people need to die? No. I worry, is my dad gonna get crappier care because I'm such a thorn in there? behind, but I'm not going to just go sit in a corner and cry about it. No, I'm going to fight. I took my spot. Look at Pop Pop. Pop Pops. Hey, Bob. I see you got Steamboat Mickey. Oh, yeah. My dad was basically forced to stay in a burning building and become COVID-19 positive, and thus far, he's been lucky enough not to die of that. 
Can you breathe? They told me, well, you can discharge him to where? No facility will take a COVID positive patient. The only place it will take them is the hospital when they progress to the point that they basically need to be put on a respirator. Oh, Papa, I love you. Papa, we love you. I can't wait until you come out. You have a lot of laws that are supposed to be in place to protect people, but what is the accountability? If you're on the fringe, if you are a person without resources, you're screwed. Even though it's impossible for a person of privilege to understand somebody who's experiencing homelessness, if you attempt to put yourself in their shoes, multiply that by a hundred. That's the additional stressors with COVID coming in. You know, the income stopped and it's, honestly, it's just been one big struggle. There's some light at the end of this tunnel. Mm -hmm. There may be a room that becomes available and you guys will be able to go into the shelter that is a possibility, so just, you know, be encouraged in that, in that aspect. Yeah. Okay. I'm really stressed out, like, really stressed out. <laughs> I'm scared. <sighs> Trying to maintain my family and get into housing and dealing with the COVID-19, it's... It feels like everything's just at a standstill. People don't know when life will begin again. And just that unknown brings tremendous stress on people. but I'm having a hard time trusting the system right now. So much of this could have been avoided. Our oversight agencies do not have the funding and resources that they need to do their job. That nursing home did not report to public health when they started seeing an elevation in respiratory diseases. It's clear there was a breakdown in reporting. It's clear that the spread of COVID went faster than we realized. So we have developed strike teams to go out on a very quick notice. When we go into a nursing home, if there's a positive patient, we want to test everybody that is symptomatic and all staff so that we're separating folks that are symptomatic and not symptomatic. When we go into a shelter, we will test everyone because of the high risk there. 
Ideally, everybody would be able to be tested. But right now, testing has been limited. So healthcare workers are such a vulnerable group that we want to make sure that testing is available as much as possible for them. are the most uncertain times that we have ever had in our lifetime. So I just want to recognize that if, you know, you're having struggles, um, it's completely understandable. All I want to do is take care of my little girl. That, that's all I want. Okay, knock it off. Is there a sticker on me? <laughs> yeah. She was excited to see the shelter, you know, excited to see the fact that we have somewhere to put our stuff and to sleep and... It makes her happy, so that's that's what I want. More and more of the modeling is showing that we may all be seeing a decrease in cases. Public health has come up with ways of keeping people safe, but those are not permanent. Those are meant for the COVID crisis. Right now, we're looking still to help de-intensify homeless shelters. So we're trying to find facilities where we can get those people separated. Folks who are experiencing homelessness, we still don't have enough housing for them. So when these folks are finished here and they're well, they might go back into the shelter again. You know, it'd be nice to have help when there's no COVID or just in general. Why are they stepping up only now? They're putting up shelters. They're trying to help finally, but I still don't think the county, the government, anybody really cares about the homeless. There's a huge emotional toll around all of this. Public health is gonna actually need to be boosted here. It's one of the reasons why I use my voice so very much. We all have to remember this is just the first wave. The virus is still there. There will be a resurgence. Since we left Seattle, life for Stevie Habedank's family has taken a positive turn. The agency Housing Hope found them a subsidized apartment. They moved in at the end of May. Catherine Kemp's father, Alan, is out of the hospital, in much better health, and back at the Life Care Center of Kirkland. Patty Hayes still faces an unfolding crisis, wondering if the nation's first response will inform more permanent ones for protecting the most vulnerable among us. I'm Soledad O'Brien. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here next week on Matter of Fact. <laughs>